I'm Jerry Willis. I'm Steve Ducey. I'm Shannon Bream, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Wednesday, October 5th, 2022. I'm John Saucier. Hurricane Ian caused unfathomable destruction in the state of Florida with so many people trying to piece together their lives. But that being said, as with any major event, bad or good, there's always a political angle. And with 34 days to go before the midterm elections, this storm may play a factor in which way people vote. A storm of this magnitude just before a, an election, I mean, that can really throw you know a wrench into the, into the system. This is the Fox News Rundown, Evening Edition. President Biden making his way to Florida on Wednesday to get a first-hand look at the damage caused by Hurricane Ian. These two may have their differences politically, but seem to be coming together during this tragedy. I think he's done a good job. He's, look, I called him, I think even before he called me when I heard this storm was on its way. We worked hand in glove. We have very different political philosophies, and we, but he, we've worked hand in glove. And he's been on things relating to dealing with this crisis. We've been completely lockstep. There's been no difference. How long will this chummy vibe last, though? Well, it's just not hurricanes. It's any natural disaster. You know, I used to say that uh, Mother Nature was the most uh, small-D democratic force in the universe. We're speaking today with Fox News senior congressional correspondent Chad Pergram. Meaning when they would have natural disasters, if you were a lawmaker from the Northeast, you had ice storms. If you were in the South, uh, you had flooding. If you were in the Gulf Coast, uh, hurricanes, the Mountain West, forest fires, earthquakes in California, Missouri, Kansas, Oklahoma, tornadoes. And so lawmakers used to vote for these spending bills, these supplemental emergency disaster relief spending bills, because if you lived in the Northeast, you might not get an earthquake, but you get the ice storm. Or you live on the Gulf Coast, you might not get the blizzard, but you get the hurricane. So, you know, they would vote for these things because, you know, there they would all go, but for the grace of God. Well, this all started to change about uh, 10, 11 years ago. We had Hurricane Sandy, which came up the East Coast, tore up New York City, tore up New Jersey, tore up eastern Pennsylvania, Vermont, Connecticut, Rhode Island, Maine. And so they needed literally the the request actually was for hundreds of billions of dollars. The bill that they ultimately put together was not quite that big. And they could not pass it at the end of that Congress in late 2012. And Pete King at the time was a Republican congressman from Long Island. And I remember him storming into the office on January 2nd of that year, John Boehner, the Speaker of the House, and steam was coming out of his ears because Republicans who were then in the majority absolutely would not move this bill. And he's like, you know, you guys come with hat in hand to Wall Street and all these big donors up in New York City. You better never, ever, ever come here again wanting this stuff if you don't vote for this bill. And what had happened is, you know, you're in the remnants of the Tea Party at that stage, you know, balance the budget. They didn't want big spending. The conventional wisdom among congressional Republicans in the House that this was just some big handout for these East Coast elitists, which was really a bunch of hooey. But that's, uh, you know, how they portrayed it. And they were not going to vote for that bill, even though when they had storms in Alabama and storms in Joplin, Missouri and so on and so forth, they came hat in hand to the federal government. So John Boehner initially weathered that political storm. He was concerned if he moved that bill at the very end of that Congress, he would not have the votes to become speaker just a few days later when they would start the Congress, January 3rd. They finally passed that bill, and you weren't going to have hardly any Democrats oppose it. Only 49 Republicans. Keep in mind, this is 
the Republicans controlled the House at that stage. Right. Only 49 Republicans in the body voted for that bill. And if you look at the roll call, in fact, I have had the printout of the roll call affixed to a wall in my booth here at the Capitol since then because it's one of the more extraordinary roll call votes I've ever seen. You look at the members who voted yes, they were appropriators, members who vote for the money. They handle the money. Members of the Republican leadership, members uh, who represented the Gulf Coast, uh, Texas, uh, Louisiana, Mississippi, because they were in the you know echoes of Katrina, Florida members. And that was about it. This vote was moved by a Republican House with Democratic uh, support being the lion's share there. That was an extraordinary roll call vote. Now, it's going to get very interesting later this year when they need to assess what happens after Ian, what they need in Florida, what they need in Georgia, maybe South Carolina, maybe what Puerto Rico needs from the other storm a couple of weeks ago. And they're going to have to tack this onto this big omnibus spending bill, which would fund the government starting on December 16th. And will members of Congress come with hat in hand in the Republican Party or will they say, oh, there's a bunch of other stuff in that? As Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House, sometimes says they like to take take the dough, but vote no. So we'll see. Uh, You've already started to see some of that. Uh, I was struck uh, last weekend. You had two Republicans on our air, uh, Greg Stubbe, who's a Republican from Florida, and Gus Bilirakis, who is a Republican from uh, the Gulf. uh, I'm sorry, from the Tampa Bay area. Both of them voted against the interim spending bill to keep the government open uh, because they said there was a bunch of pork in the bill. They couldn't say what the pork was, but they said what, what I thought, and I honed it on this, is they said we're spending money in that bill because it had $12 billion for Ukraine, which many Republicans backed. They said, why aren't we spending the bill back home? Now, that's going to bifurcate this issue two ways. Are they going to make Ukraine an issue now and not be willing to fund the, you know, the war effort in Ukraine, you know, this proxy war that the United States has going on right now against Russia. Or will it be an issue saying, oh, there's all this other stuff in there that we don't like. We're going to receive the benefit uh, of the hurricane relief, but we're not going to support the other things in this bill. That's going to get to be a very interesting calculus come the middle of December. Yeah, especially so as you have the midterm elections here in November. There's a congressional angle. Let's take a look at the angle from the White House because historically hurricanes have been a big deal and they've actually been a chance for bipartisanship. I'm thinking about Sandy, the storm you mentioned that hit New York where the governor of New Jersey, Chris Christie, actually came out and said he was a Republican and said that President Obama, obviously a Democrat, did a great job at that time. Then you look at Hurricane Katrina with George W. Bush, that didn't really happen as much. Yeah, hurricane and storm politics, natural disaster relief politics are are very tricky. Uh, You can even go back to a a storm that hit uh, the Florida Keys in the 1930s when FDR was president. Uh, But but what you really started to see in the early 90s, you had Hurricane Andrew, which was a Category 5 storm, the biggest, most powerful storm to ever hit the U.S. mainland to this day, hit southern Florida in 1992. And George H.W. Bush was president. He was kind of on the ropes in the 92 presidential election going against Bill Clinton, going against Ross Perot, a third party candidate. And there was kind of this laissez-faire approach. And there was a Florida um, uh, uh, emergency response official who famously said, where is the cavalry? What's going on here? And people kind of interpreted 
the administration's lack of attention to that storm as and this was always the knock on on Bush 41, George H.W. Bush, that it was a little bit too hands off. And that probably did not do him any favors in late 1992 in the November election. And of course, he lost and Bill Clinton became president. It was interesting the next year, as soon as Bill Clinton became president, he upgraded FEMA in terms of where it stood in the hierarchy of the federal government, almost to a cabinet level position to make sure that if there were other storms, he was not going to get cut by this. You mentioned George W. Bush, uh, the son. Uh, the response to Hurricane Katrina, again, same problem, very similar to his father. And you know what happens a lot of times with these big hurricanes, John, yeah. is that they, the, the initial response sometimes looks okay or fine or above average or whatever you want to say. Sometimes it takes days and weeks to figure out how it really, how bad it is. Or there's communities that are cut off. We don't know because there's no service or there's been some enclave and people have been trapped or died or whatever. We don't know because all the telecommunications are out. That happened with Katrina to some degree, and that's where several days later, you know, the you know the the guild had already fallen off the lily for George W. Bush with the Iraq War at that stage, and so Republicans and Democrats alike kind of said, okay, this is enough of this administration. That probably certainly helped Democrats flip the House in the fall of 2006, and and certainly that was kind of the beginning of the end for George W. Bush. The politics of a storm. Yes, it's a thing just like with any big disaster. And we've got Fox News senior congressional correspondent Chad Pergram with all the analysis of it, much more after these words. So the hurricane, one of many factors that uh, plagued that former president. Let's talk about the current president, Joe Biden. I find his visit to Florida today particularly interesting because he's standing side by side with Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, a man who is rumored to maybe have presidential aspirations. And I don't know, it's not out of the realm of possibilities that in 2024 you could have a Biden versus DeSantis matchup, depending on how things shake out here. Do you think these two getting together and playing nice with each other actually is the beneficial factor here? Or do you think politically it is going to behoove DeSantis to try and trash Biden a little bit during this visit? It's probably in everybody's interest for the time being now uh, to put on their Emily Post manners. Uh, There are people who are suffering. It doesn't look good to have infighting, whether or not it's deserved or not. Uh, Ron DeSantis has, has, you know, launched attacks against the former against President Biden. Uh, You've certainly had, uh, you know, President Biden take on the, you know, the right. Uh, I mean, not uh, DeSantis, maybe not directly all the time. There have been times he's been critical, but but talk about those who still have an allegiance to former President Trump and ultra MAGA and, and that sort of thing. So that's, you know, that's going to be an issue there if, if there starts to be a schism between the two sides. And, and it kind of reminds me a little bit, and you mentioned Chris Christie, the governor of New Jersey, that, you know, he famously hugged President Obama and people thought, well, could these two men, uh, you know, obviously President Obama was not going to stand for you know, election again in 2016, but they thought that Chris Christie might. And there are some conservatives who say, oh, this guy, even though the, the storm ripped through our state, you know, he's in league with Obama. It's terrible, you know, which is, you know. We can read into that, and some people might call that a little bit bit silly, especially in the time of a storm. He is the president of the United States. He came to, you know, a disaster-stricken area. It's important. People were were dying. People needed relief. Um, you know, some people might say that, that that's really not very good politics at that stage because, you know, again, these things are supposed to be above the fray. And that's what I was talking about, these bills that used to move through Congress with very little controversy. I want to wrap it up with this. We do have the midterm elections coming up in just a few weeks. Florida, obviously dealing with this huge hurricane. You have people's houses that have been destroyed, but they need to vote also in November. So what does Florida need to do? And 
for that matter, what does the federal government need to do to make sure that we have a fair midterm election and the availability for those impacted by the hurricane in Florida and elsewhere to go to the polls and participate in this democracy? You know, this is not so much on the federal government. This is mostly on the state of Florida and local election officials there. I mean, the Constitution says that, you know, elections, you know, and we have a a gubernatorial race there. We have a Senate contest there between Senator Marco Rubio and Val Demings, Democratic uh, congresswoman from the House. Um, Charlie Crist, now the former congressman, former governor, Republican governor of Florida running against uh, DeSantis as a Democrat. Uh, And you have about four, maybe five seats in Florida based on redistricting, which probably would go to the Republicans. Now, what does a storm do? Well, voting might be a lower priority for a lot of people. They might not know where to go. The polling place might not exist. You show up at this place, they had to move it because this place doesn't have power anymore or the school or whatever. Or people who have been displaced. They now live in the north. They now live out of state. Their home was destroyed. A storm of this magnitude just before a, an election, I mean, that can really throw you know a wrench into the into the system. Um, you know, political scientists this year have really struggled to understand the electorate and who's going to come out. Uh, I've talked to a, a number of them the past couple of weeks, and they seem a little bewildered, baffled as to what this electorate is going to look like this fall. And if you introduce in the state of Florida with you know key house races, Senate race gubernatorial race, uh, maybe to a lesser degree in Georgia with a gubernatorial race and a, and a Senate race there. What does this really change this? D- d- suddenly, do d- there's one side that, what you know, do the Democrats who weren't supposed to, at least in these House races, fare very well, do very well all of a sudden? Or do people then start to talk about election fraud because they don't live there anymore? Their home was destroyed. How possibly could they vote? You know, you can go down the rabbit hole on this one really fast. Uh, and there's not a lot you can do right away to imbue the system with confidence. Right. Is it an October surprise, as you always like to talk about, or not? That's a big question. We don't know, obviously, because we're still cleaning up from this hurricane, and we're hoping for the best for everyone involved. Fox News Senior Congressional Correspondent Chad Pergram, thank you for joining us here on the Fox News Rundown Evening Edition. Thank you. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. 